All right. Welcome, everyone, to He's Done It, a mostly sports podcast. I'm Corey Novotny, and I'm joined this week, as always, by my co-host, Brian Wells. In this week's episode, we'll be reacting to Week 13 from the NFL. We're now into December. Playoff picture is starting to get a little clearer, and the Patriots and the Steelers both find themselves outside of the AFC 17 field. We'll give our thoughts on their latest action, trending in opposite directions, but both with uh, their work cut out for them if they want to end up on the correct side of the bracket. We'll talk about some teams who are the top contenders uh, in both conferences, and Patriots' loss to the Bills has now put their rivals in the one seed in the AFC following the Chiefs losing to the Bengals for a third time in a row and the Dolphins losing to the 49ers, who in turn lost Jimmy Garoppolo for the remainder of the regular season, likely most if not all of the playoffs, which could be tough for them as they try to navigate a difficult NFC field featuring an Eagles team, a Vikings team, and a Cowboys team that continue to win this week. So give lots of thoughts on action from around the league. Before Moving into five questions, which will be centered around all of the other major sports action from the past week. College football playoffs are set. We'll talk about the committee's choices for the final four teams. U.S. men's national team out in the round of 16. We'll give our thoughts on their time in the tournament. MLB winter meetings are underway. Some big news with free agent signings. Also some rumors involving our teams. So we'll give our thoughts on those and plenty more to wrap up this episode. So with that, let's get started. Do you remember how to do this? It's, it's been a little while now. Well, as you could see beforehand, I'm having trouble with some of the technology already. So I guess that's to be determined yeah, <laughs> if I do know how to do this or not. <laughs> yeah, definitely an abnormally long break for us. Uh, I mean, even longer for you because you weren't on the last episode uh, You know, for football season. You know, when it's like springtime and the the other sports aren't as big uh, it's more reasonable for us to take a couple weeks off but life gets in the way sometimes happens with the nfl i actually i rarely get sick but i was at the point where i was like i can't do a podcast right now i, I can't stay up and do this like I, I wouldn't be able to talk very well i needed to prioritize sleep uh, especially with you know being around thanksgiving so it was uh, disappointing because there's definitely been a lot to talk about in the last couple of weeks, but glad to be back after just a slightly longer break than expected. Yeah, and a month for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, NFL is, uh, you know, we still have a decent amount of season to go. And while the past couple of weeks, certainly things that we could have talked about, week 13 had plenty of action. And let's get it started going back all the way to Thursday night with your Patriots and big game against division rival Buffalo Bills. And once again, the Bills go into New England and 
take down the Patriots, a game that looked kind of good for the first quarter or so. Uh, Marcus Jones, 48-yard receiving the, touchdown. That was kind of fun. The leading receiver on the team. Offense did not really muster anything uh, else. A, a guy that... Yeah, did, as a, a cornerback and return yeah, A guy specialist. that did not have one offensive snap until that game was the leading receiver uh, on the Patriots. And I feel like that would be something to... Something, something Belichick would like... Uh, you know, in past years when the team was actually good, but now I think that's kind of more of a joke than anything. Yeah, it, it's not like he went off for 175 right. yards. He had 51 yards receiving right. on and, two catches. And, uh, I mean, the Patriots offense just – they couldn't get anything going. This is a game where they actually held the Bills in check. They forced it to punt three times, something they hadn't done at all in 24 drives. And um, ultimately, the the offense just could not keep up even still with uh, the Bills not going as explosive as they have in the past against this team. And late field goal to make it... Make it a two-possession game, yeah. Make sure that the score doesn't look like a total blowout. But anyone that watches that game would know that Buffalo controlled uh, on both sides of the ball the entirety of that game. And even though it was only 24-10, to 10, yeah, the Bills had it in the bag uh you know, before the first half even ended. And, yeah, Buffalo, their offense, they were really conservative, but they kind of looked at it and said, you know what, we're going to control the time of possession because, because you know, we, we're the better team and you guys can't do anything about it, in, you know, in the Patriots. Like, they they, yeah, yeah. they knew that the uh-huh. Patriots offensively were not going to do much. And, and yeah, it's it, that, that game was a total joke uh, from a Patriots standpoint because – I came into that game knowing, you know what, Buffalo's going to win this game. Uh, they're they're just they've passed us now, and they're just the overall, excuse me, better team. And but all I'm asking for for the for that game is I I just want it to be I just want the Patriots to compete. And it, it was over by the first half, and the fans were just out of it. They were like they were not into that game uh, once the second half started. And boy, the offense just does not look in rhythm whatsoever and and it was kind of it was a really a local story before the season started about how like how is this going to work out with Patricia and Judge and Mac Jones and the rest of the offense and they're not on the same page and there are a lot of struggles in training camp and preseason it was really more of a local thing but now I think it's reached national levels where everyone realizes that it's looking really bad uh, in terms of in terms of the Patriots offense getting in rhythm and yeah, it, it's definitely being discussed uh, across the country, and it's at the point where there are a lot of questions about who's really to blame, how much of this is on Bill Belichick and his ego, feeling like he can just hand the job to his buddies who have no experience and still be able to win, and now he's going as far as saying it's probably too late to make changes, but really accepting that there's a problem, and it's... I think it's frustrating from a Mac Jones standpoint in the biggest regard of this because this is a second year like this is a year he's supposed to take a leap forward after taking this team to the playoffs being pretty much without a doubt the best rookie quarterback last year in a draft class that saw four guys go above him and I think I'm at the point where I feel 100% because he is 100% that's you got fans screaming for Bailey Zappi because the offense looks incompetent I don't know that's exactly Jones I mean the guy threw for 382 yards against the Vikings a week ago that's exactly exactly um, what I was going to say is that yeah. I'm, I've said hundreds of times that I'm not the biggest Mac Jones believer and I don't think he's the guy, but 
how could you possibly succeed under the circumstances that he's in where he has to replace the, the you know be the next Tom Brady and you know the fans are cheering for Bailey Zappi and he's got a offensive coordinator that's not a real offensive coordinator his old line is is uh, just not protecting him whatsoever he's getting killed out there and I don't want to let Mac Jones off the hook completely because he he, he hasn't done a good job in terms of keep you know making sure making you know, not turn the ball over because he has been turned the ball over. Uh, so he hasn't been taking care of the ball uh, as well as last year. And, yeah, he's taking a step back this year. And you see him screaming on the sidelines uh, about, like, we got we to gotta push the ball down the field more, like enough of these quick plays. And, and I, I, yeah, I'm starting to feel bad for him, even, even if I'm not the biggest believer in him. Uh, I, uh, yeah, I feel bad for the guy. And I, I think all the blame goes on Bill uh, for – thinking that this would work out and you can just put anyone at offensive coordinator, even if it's a defensive guy. Yeah. I mean, it's easy to blame offensive coordinator. I think both of our teams are in a similar boat. At least you have a guy that is an actual OC. (laughs) Like (laughs) Matt Patricia has never done anything. Yeah, no. And that is, that is fair. And I think, yeah. And I, I think that the fact that Matt Patricia is the guy who's organizing an offense with no experience is just, it, it's just got to be very frustrating. Uh, and I, I think that the Patriots at this point, they're six and six. Like they've shown enough to say that they can be a good potential playoff contender, but there's also a lot of room to be like, what are we doing here? And, um, you know, as much as it's easy to say that, yeah, I don't know if Mac Jones is really the guy. He hasn't had a chance to prove whether or not he is. And partially because of the injury, but mostly just the what this team has the done. The frustrations aren't even so. just on Mac Jones. Uh, uh, I remember seeing a quote uh, after the game on by Kendrick Bourne. He, he was asked, like, like, how do you feel about the offensive game plans? Like, yeah, man, we need to scheme up better. We need to know what we're doing and we need to know. We need to know what they're going to want to do on third down. They call this, we call that, and it falls right into what they want to do. It's like, wow, that is so telling in that he, he <laughs> along with Mac uh-huh. Jones and others, do not believe in the, the game plan offensively. And so, yes, they're in the hunt, uh, I, I think, uh, you know, with the Jets and Chargers and other teams, but if, if they keep playing like this, like they're not going to compete for a playoff spot whatsoever. And... These next two games are huge because they're they're both both must-wins, both of them. Because Arizona and Las Vegas, I think I personally think they're better than both those teams. I know Kyler Murray has a lot of skill, but he's not a winner. And the Cardinals Cardinals are are a catastrophe. I mean, that whole franchise is no. Kyler Murray's not a winner Uh whatsoever. They're four and eight right now. And I think I know they're both Mm. on the road, but Arizona's a must-win game because if you lose that game, then the morale. Is, I mean, the morale's already down, but it plummets, and you're already planning on mm-hmm. three straight losses. If you if you lose to Arizona, you go into Las Vegas already knowing that or believing that the season is over, and your and your players mm-hmm. wise are probably not even focused on the game and focused on the festivities in Las Vegas by that point. So you got to win that game on Monday night. Yeah. And even though the even though they have a long break like a 10-day break or 10-plus day break, the Cardinals are off a bye. And so so they have just much time to prepare mm-hmm. for, for us as as the Patriots are for them. And so, yeah, they got to win that game, and then they're better than – I know Las Vegas has won three straight now, but I still believe they're they're better than Las Vegas. And 
look, so you got to win those next two games because after that, it's Cincinnati. Who That team's rolling right now. And then Miami. Yes, they lost yep. to San Fran just this past weekend, but they've been excellent. And then the last game is in Buffalo, which is I, – I, I, that's just an automatic loss. <laughs> if the Bills have nothing to play for, maybe. then maybe. But it's still not a lock. Still not a lock even if Case Keenan is winning quarterback just because of how – that would be the, the only the way that the Patriots can win is if the if Buffalo mm. has the number one seed locked up and they have nothing to play for. Yeah, I think you have to go at least ten and seven in the AFC, even though there are plenty of teams that aren't as good as we thought they would be. I still think it's going to take ten wins, maybe nine, seven, and one, but <laughs> I don't think anyone's playing for a tie this year. So uh, definitely, I mean, it starts with those first two games, and I, I definitely believe that the Patriots should beat the Cardinals just given the state of that franchise and Raiders are better they're um, better than the Cardinals of Belichick versus McDaniels you know assistant coaches he, have done a good job always had versus his Belichick. uh yeah he definitely has not had his assistance numbers historically even so Matt that, Patricia that beat is him another interesting wrinkle <laughs> he did yeah you're right so uh we'll see how that one goes but yeah i mean those two games are really big because those last three are definitely much tougher against uh you know top con- competition for them to the make AFC, the playoffs so. they obviously have to win these next two games and then they have to steal one of those last three and 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 they would be At underdogs least. in all three of them too mm-hmm. so i i don't know i'm yeah i mean i don't think it's impossible but no it's it, not impossible it definitely... there's there is a path but i i don't believe in their uh, chances yeah. No, and I, I understand that. And I think the, the, the Steelers are in a similar boat where there is a path, but it's running the table. And I think that two months ago, um, it was easy to say that the Steelers were terrible, like one of the worst teams in the league. They should be focused on draft picks, like winning doesn't matter. And now they won three in a row after the bye. And it's just like, I don't even know how to feel about these games anymore because Beating the Colts and the Falcons on the road, they're nice. I think Kenny Pickett's looked uh, much better. The running game has improved, but seems still five and seven. And as much as I can sit here and say like these last five games on the schedule are winnable, it's hard to believe that they're gonna win seven in a row. Like the just the way that this thing started to be able to get into the playoffs, and um, I think it, there's just a lot of frustration about how the way this season started and given where this team is now because it's unlikely that they're going to end up with a, a playoff team and no shot at getting one of the top picks in the draft now. They're just yeah, they're, they're, they're no basically stuck land. in the middle because, like you said, they are improving. They've won their last two games now, and, yeah, the, yeah, the Colts are terrible. And the, the Falcons, I, you know what? I, I pretty much root against the Steelers in pretty much every game, but I'm actually kind of glad that they won this game because uh, the, the Falcons, they actually have a real shot in their division and they suck. I, I don't, I don't care what anyone says. They're, they're, <laughs> they're awful to watch. They run the ball so, so much. And as, uh, as well, not to talk fantasy, but as, as, uh, Kyle Pitts and Drake London <laughs> fantasy owners, uh, it has not been fun this year. So it's, yeah, no, I, I totally get it. I, I have been very frustrated with the Falcons as well. And I believed in this team. I thought that they had a winnable stretch and they ended up losing most of those games. The only team they managed to beat was the Bears, who everyone's beating the Bears these days. Even Aaron Rodgers and the Packers are still finding a way to beat them. So uh, Falcons losing is very much like, okay, their season is done. They're about to go no buy. 
Give us this Desmond Ritter for the last month. We've seen enough of. Oh Marcus yeah, Mariota. I've def- I've definitely seen enough <laughs> of Mariota. He's he's not he's not the guy. Mm-hmm. He's not the answer. And I don't know if Desmond Ritter is, but I'd like to see if he is. Right. But yeah, let's find out. I mean, especially the fact that the Falcons are five and eight. It's not like they're going to be. They're not going to be in the in running like the, now the for top. Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud. Unless unless yeah, they, unless they lose out. Not. But, but uh-huh. even that, they're probably but, still too far behind. I mean, behind. if that happens with Desmond Ritter, then it's like, all right, we know Ritter's not the guy. So it would be nice to see him out there rather than just continuing to throw out Mariota like this is a playoff team. So, so those are good wins uh, for I the agree Steelers. In that, the same that, I mean, they beat up on two teams that I think arguably that they're better than. And then looking at their upcoming schedule, they haven't played the Ra- the Ravens yet, but now Lamar Jackson is out, and he could be yep. he's so PCL injury. And he could be out one to three weeks, week. so he'll probably be back for that second game. But he's very very unlikely to play this Sunday. And you're gonna have uh, Huntley out there, mm-hmm. and Huntley, he, yeah, he wasn't great this past weekend, but he showed flashes last year of being pretty good. He did. He showed he showed that he was a competent backup, but the Ravens still lost every single yeah, game he started. So. That, very frustrating. Yeah, <laughs> they did end up managing to beat the Broncos, which like ten to oh nine. Oh my god, is a disgusting. That, football yeah, game. I would be I would be disgusted by that too if I were a Steelers fan it, or or a Broncos fan. Yeah, <laughs> we gave oh we, yeah. we only gave up ten points and we we still lost. <laughs> that 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 yeah, that, I mean, that that's just like a new that, low. That for team them. has been a train wreck all year. Uh, uh, Russell Wilson, believe it or not, he was. When when they played the Panthers, he was QB thirty three that week, and that's because Jordan Love came in for a quarter and threw a touchdown, <laughs> and so he ended up being QB thirty three, even though there are thirty two teams in the league. That's so bad. That's yeah, yeah. I mean, the, every new Broncos stat about their offense is just somehow worse than. The oh other. yeah, like the the but. toilets. I love the graph of uh, like. Can can Russell Wilson uh, throw more touchdowns the amount of that more than the amount of bathrooms he has in his house? And I think he's up to nine now, eight or nine, and he he still has to throw a few, at least a few more to to catch up to that number. That's just pathetic. <laughs> uh huh. Uh Yeah. So uh, anyway, though, yeah. So the Ravens without Lamar Jackson, and then it's the Panthers and the Raiders. Who, uh, I mean, the Panthers are yeah they beat the Broncos, but they're still four and eight. The Raiders, they've won a few in a row, but it's a still similar scenario with the Patriots. And that was at home. It's a you know immaculate reception, 50th anniversary night on Christmas right. Eve. And then you get the Ravens again, which you're probably going to have Lamar, but who knows what his health is going to be like. And then week 18 against uh, the Cleveland Browns, who, you know, I don't really know what to make of at this point. Uh, Deshaun Watson did not look very good. Their defense and special teams just took yeah, advantage three, of it. Three touchdowns Texas for the defense and special teams. So, yeah, they got the win, but their yep. offense, uh, especially Deshaun, uh, did not look good. I mean, I mean, rightfully so. He hasn't played in almost two years. So, it was the, the rust yeah, was I expected. Mean, it, not unexpected. And he was facing, uh-huh. of all teams, his former team at Houston. And so... I mean, the crowd is going to boo him no matter where he goes, but the fact that it was there, the crowd was really going to go against him. Uh, so, Yeah, yeah. But because of that, like, you can kind of buy into like all five of those games being winnable and like 10-7 and seven not being that crazy. But again, is this a team that could really rattle off seven straight wins? No, I, I know mean, what you mean. It's just as that... As much as the offense has looked better, it's still Matt Canada still calling plays. Najee Harris is literally running over Falcons defenders, slamming them into the turf, and Canada's still calling uh reverse 
plays to Gunnar Olszewski with three minutes to go in the fourth. Our quarter. teams are like, in very it, similar situations where we see a path, uh, but the path is is very very. It's it's unlikely. unlikely. Yeah. Yeah, and I think both of our teams are in situations where there's a lot of problems with the offense where you can almost feel like, oh, I could do a better job than these guys who are calling plays, but they're not going away anytime soon, and that's going to be a reason to, to be a holdup, uh, no matter how good the defense might be able to play on a given week. So uh, definitely frustrating with the way the season has gone. And, I mean, from a Sealy standpoint, it's just, okay, what can you do down the stretch to feel good going into 2023? And if that means finishing eight and nine and having the fifteenth overall pick in the draft, then all right, we'll use free agency and uh, I guess you get the Bears draft pick to to look forward to as well in the second round. But it's um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I think I, I'm not going to root against the Steelers by any means. Like I'm going to root for them to win. I'm not going to root for a tank. Like if you want to <laughs> root for a team that's going to lose instead of uh, trying to win games in Pittsburgh, go to PNC Park because uh, that's just not the Steelers' <laughs> way. But it's, uh, yeah, I mean, you just look back at some of those games early this season now where it's like they get all these chances to win them down the stretch and something went horribly wrong and um, it feels like it's really going to bite this team where you could convince yourself, oh, they're kind of rolling going into the playoffs as a, a hot team down the stretch, but um, ultimately it just feels like still way too much of a long shot regardless of what the schedule looks like. And also the AFC is much stronger than the NFC. Yeah, well, I agree with that. And if you look at the standings, it doesn't necessarily look that way, but the AFC, I mean, those, those teams that are on the outside, it's easier to kind of buy into them uh, just given – preseason expectations and guys getting healthier and whatever and uh i mean there's certainly teams that are really strong in the afc that are worth talking about we kind of touched on the bills but i think the the big one right now is cincinnati Bengals because they just beat the kansas city chiefs for the third straight time i don't know about you but i thought that kansas city revenge game would be a big factor here and cincinnati just uh continues to have their number and they very much look like a threat um, in the AFC. It does surprise me that the the Chiefs, as good as they are, still have not beaten the Bengals once in the, in those last three matchups. And so, yeah, that's a little bit of a concern for Kansas City, just considering that they're one of the best teams and arguably the best team, but or at least in the AFC for sure, uh, with Buffalo. But yeah, Cincinnati, they're on the rise now after their 0-2 start. You know, after that 0-2 start, everyone was looking at them saying, yeah, they're definitely due for regression and that there's going to be a Super Bowl hangover for them. And, I mean, rightfully so. Like, they were due to regress, but now they're definitely on the rise and they get Jamar Chase back. And he didn't, I mean, he didn't, he didn't, ha- he didn't go off by any means, but the fact that they got him back is definitely huge for their offense. So like 97 yards, which is just says how great of a player yeah. he is. Like, yeah, he, he did, he did all right. 97 yards. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he didn't have 100 yards, didn't score a touchdown. But the fact so that he was out there is definitely huge for their offense. And also, uh, I, I love Joe Burrow. He's so awesome. Like I, I, like that throw on third down uh, to, to seal the game. And, yeah, to and win then, the game. And then he's, mm-hmm. he, you know, he's looking at the fans like, are you not entertained by this? And like He's got that, I don't know, he's got that winner mentality, it factor. I know it's kind of cliche, but I, I, I believe it with him almost more than pretty much anybody in the league. And 
the Cincinnati, they're, they're lucky to have them because they have been obviously a, mostly an irrelevant franchise for, 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 <laughs> uh-huh. for most of our lives. But then all of a sudden they bring in him and then they're immediately one of the best teams in the AFC. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he it's it's starting to get to the point where it's like, man, I, this guy, I don't want to deal with him for the next decade and a half because I mean, just, when with that moment you're talking about, it's like, oh, that's so cool. Everyone loves Joe Cool, and I'm like, man, I I don't like Joe Burrow. <laughs> like, it, it's when you play play for a rival like that, it's it's hard, but it's also like kind of easier to swallow right now just given that the Steelers aren't directly competing with them like they were last season uh, at least for the time being but uh, yeah I mean the the Bengals are very much a for real team and even after that 0-2 start they're beating like the NFC South and the Joe Flacco's Jets to get things started but these last three games going into Pittsburgh and beating a Steelers team that was desperate for a win without Jamar Chase and Joe Mixon and then doing it against the Titans, uh, a team that similar spot. They just beat him in the playoffs last year looking for revenge. And now, of course, Kansas City um, for the third straight time, three in a row. Like the Bengals are on fire at this point. And we'll see where things go from here with them. Uh, they play the Browns next week and Joe Burrow has yet to beat them in his young career. But at the same time, I mean, Cleveland... That- that, ma- that makes perfect that sense. You 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 you're undefeated against the Chiefs, but you you haven't won. <laughs> you haven't won a game versus right. the Browns. I haven't beat yeah, the Browns. That makes sense. Uh, yep. And then, then they play the Bucks and the Patriots after yeah, that. that. That'll so be that'll be a they, great they Christmas. Continue to rattle off wins. Be a great Christmas for me uh, facing <laughs> the Bengals on Christmas Eve. Yeah. That'll be that'll be a lot of fun. Uh huh. Yeah, I mean, if they continue to rattle off wins, they're going to be rolling going into the playoffs. I, and they're, I don't they're very think much going to be a tough. I don't out. think they'll be a one seed, but I. St- I've never given up on them in terms of uh, winning the North. I, I've I've never. Yeah, I, no, you've been very high on them the whole I, time. I I came in on the Ravens and with you know Lamar's latest injury, definitely pivoting toward the Bengals. But it's also hard to not go against you know to go against the Bengals given how how well they've looked and uh, especially this win over the Chiefs. Yeah, and then, you know, the, so. and then the Ravens they've blown they've blown a lot of leads this year. Where they like for their losses, they had mm-hmm. double digit leads uh, at, at one point in the game and, they, and lost all. They them. only have four losses. Every I know, but that's crazy. Like, so they could, they could uh, be undefeated. <laughs> oh, I know. They, I mean, they're, their four losses, yes, they choke bad in, in all four of those games uh, versus the yeah, Dolphins and, I, I, and the. And the no, I'm blanking on some of them, but uh, I remember that Dolphins one week yes. two where. The Giants. Giants, right? The, the Giants. Teams, yeah. And then the and, bills uh, and the I mean, rain. Can... Yep. Yeah, and then uh, most recently they they did against um, the Jaguars. Jaguars, right? So, right when Trevor Lawrence yeah. came back uh, and led them to victory. Yeah. So some some decent teams early on, but yeah, which is bad losses lost, the way they then... lost. Yeah. Oh, I know. So, um, and I mean, this week I thought they were gonna find a way to blow the uh, the Broncos game, which would have been just the the ultimate Ravens fourth quarter collapse, letting Russell Wilson come back and beat you with just 28 seconds left in the fourth quarter. But Brandon McManus's 63-yard field goal came up short. So, yeah, just tough, tough year for tough year for the Broncos. And we were talking about bad Broncos stats. Uh, Russell Wilson, he's thrown 
less pass passing touchdowns than Jacoby Brissett, Davis Mills, Taylor Heineke, Matt Ryan, Andy Dalton, and Carson Wentz who hasn't played since week six. <laughs> <laughs> that's wow. That that last one might be the worst of all those. That's yeah, yeah. It's 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 been a tough year for Denver. I also like so I've been running through the NFL playoff machine recently, mm-hmm. which tells you like where my hopes are when it comes to the Steelers playoffs You're like all right is there a scenario where they could lose a game and get in at nine and eight but anyway every time you go through week 16 it's like oh the Broncos and the Rams play on Christmas day so that uh oh, that's a that's a fun I'm matchup sure, yeah I'm sure it'll still draw some uh ratings but the Celtics play at the same time so uh I I remember, feel rem- pretty confident which one will be watching remember that yeah that's true remember when the Saints and the Bears are playing each other in the playoffs, and they had the Nickelodeon. Uh, it was it was the Nickelodeon game, the Saints uh, Bears playoff game. I'm, I yeah. I remember thinking like you know I I want to watch a real broadcast, but it's like if it's this game, you know, a game that's in the bag, like the other that's, team has no shot. Yeah. Like all right, I'm gonna watch it on Nickelodeon, and you saw all the cool graphics of the like the slime and all that. So they're gonna do it for this Rams Broncos game, right? That's a good like for point. any yeah, time, they, anytime they are. someone scores, when are they going to score? <laughs> when are, they, are these teams going to score? What are they going to do? Gonna be, all these kids you meet to press is like, where's the slime? Yeah. <laughs> like, are they going to are they, are they gonna put the slime when on incomplete passes or drops or fumbles? <laughs> <laughs> like, what? Yeah. <laughs> like, both Turnovers, these teams are maybe. dead, and they're going to be playing each other on Christmas. They're not even being yeah, flexed out. That's just no. I I don't think that it's a possibility. So. NFL definitely took their chances on those two teams, and it's like the Rams is like okay, they, won the they Super dealt Bowl. with a ton of injuries. They they did win the Super Bowl, so it doesn't even matter at this point. Right. They they accomplished what they needed to, but the Broncos being three and nine, like even the biggest Russell Wilson doubters couldn't have believed that he would fall off like that. No, so. I, I I couldn't imagine that. Uh, million years. Yeah, but also I mean the whole Christmas Day slate: Dolphins, Packers. Like yeah, Dolphins would be great, but Green Bay. I mean, who yeah, knows Green Bay is getting a lot of primetime games alive. for you know being being a below average team. They are and 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 then also yeah. the Patriots. They got they they had Thursday night on row. Thanksgiving versus the Vikings. That was actually a good game. Uh, then they mm-hmm. had Thursday night versus Buffalo, awful game. And then they get Monday night versus Arizona. Both those teams are average to below average teams, but hey, that could be entertaining. Uh, with that could be higher scoring. Uh, but but they got flexed out for Sunday night. They they were supposed to be the Sunday night matchup versus Raiders, Las Vegas. So. You know, Belichick versus mm-hmm. McDaniel's. But I figured that would get flexed out because, and you know, everyone's saying Belichick McDaniel's like that's a narrative. Like that's a narrative that only people in New England would care about, and like uh, the rest of the yeah. country wouldn't would not care about that whatsoever. So I'm actually part of me is glad that was flexed out. But then when they put in Washington. Uh, the the commanders versus the giants i the, they're both playoff teams and they're both having good years but at the same time it's like oh man like those two teams got it and we didn't like wow like that's how the mighty yeah. have fallen <laughs> oh i i totally understand that i mean even when the sealers got flexed out of uh sunday night football in week 11 against Cincinnati, it's like well i'm glad i don't have to stay up to watch them but it's also it, it hurts you know like man we're not on prime time anymore because we're not good <laughs> so and especially when it gets you know that was chiefs chargers which that's one thing but yeah giants commanders are playoff teams and the the patriots and the raiders aren't that's that's tough to tough to see yeah that, so 
it, it hurts <laughs> seeing those two teams like Daniel Jones, who yes, they're the Giants have a wing record, but like other than Saquon, I don't know. I don't know what to think of their offense. And then and then I love Heineke. So like I'd be I'd be rooting for them, but <laughs> at this I don't know. Just the fact that it's that's the primetime matchup, it, it feels odd. That's all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there were a lot of interconference games this week. I mean, Chiefs Bengals is really the big AFC AFC showdown, but a lot of AFC NFC showdowns involving playoff teams on both sides. And I mean, we could probably go in a few directions here, but uh, the Bills are the one seed in the AFC because not only did the Chiefs lose, but the Dolphins lost. Mike McDaniel's revenge game against the Niners. Didn't go according to plan to a 75-yard touchdown on the first play. And he said, all right, that's enough good quarterbacking for me today. And yeah, the, he, the Niners pulled out yeah, 33-17 to 17 win from there. I'm, I'm, def- I'm definitely glad he's having a rebound year. And the Dolphins are definitely uh, a contender. But <laughs> I, was watching, I was watching that Dolphins-Niners game. And yeah, he got the, the, you know, the immediate touchdown to Sherfield on the first play. But then, yeah, just missing throw after throw. And... When I was watching that game, the color guy, whoever it was, he said, man, I've never seen Tua miss this many throws in a game. And I'm thinking to myself, was this guy in a coma in the first two years of Tua's career? Because <laughs> <laughs> he he's been missing throws like that uh, you know, for the first two years of his career in plenty of games. Uh, but for, the, for this year, he, um, he's obviously been great, but he also finally faced a good, not good, but great defense and came back down to earth a bit. And, you know, the Niners pulled off a great win, but, you know, now now they have a situation on their hands at the quarterback position, uh, losing Jimmy Garoppolo and getting to start uh, Brock Purdy for the for yeah. the, at least the immediate the, future. That, that's definitely the biggest story to come out of this game. Uh, they certainly play off impacts on both sides, but uh, not having Jimmy Garoppolo for the remainder of the regular season and most of the playoffs is certainly... Uh, potentially going to change things. And I, I think, what are your thoughts on the Niners' chances? Because I know not long ago we were thinking they're very much a serious threat in the NFC, but do you feel any worse about them now that Purdy is replacing Garoppolo? Yeah, so obviously I had them in my Super Bowl, and before the Garoppolo injury, the way they were playing, other than Philly, I would say they were like the, my the, my next favorite uh, in terms of who I think could contend uh, after Philly because I think Philly I think Philly is the best team and right now I think they're I think they're playing better than anybody, uh, but after Philly like I know Minnesota is the two seed and I was high on them as well but I I believe I believe in San Francisco more than the Vikings like I just I just think at some point with the Vikings yeah I like Kirk Cousins but I I know deep down that once they face a they'll beat up on bad teams but once they face like legit teams that it it doesn't go well for for Kirk uh, especially yeah, like when they 40 face 40 to 3 against the Cowboys spe- especially when they face you know teams like Philly and you know you know maybe at some point San Francisco uh but but yeah anyway like yeah so San Fran was the second team that I believed in the most uh in the NFC before the Jimmy G injury and but yeah now that he's hurt I mean obviously I still think I still like their playoff chances but you know Brock Purdy look for for the situation that he's being thrown into being Mr. Irrelevant you know not thinking he's going to play at all with you know Lance and Jimmy both being there but now that they're both done or at least Lance is and who knows what we'll see with Jimmy if he can come back if they make it to the divisional round or not but Brock Purdy 
for the for his situation, he looked pretty good. I don't know if it's sustainable, but that's a big moment and versus a good opponent, even if they're stronger on the offensive side of the ball. So, in other words, I'd like to see more from Purdy, like well, you know how he can perform in you know future games. Uh, before. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, he definitely played well in this one, but I don't know if it changes my opinion on the Niners all that much. And maybe that just speaks to how I view Jimmy Garoppolo, just as he's a game manager. That's- he's someone who the rest of the team can play well around him and he'll win. And if it comes down to him having to make a big play, I don't believe in his chances. And I would say the same thing about Brock Purdy. I, I do think there's a little bit of a drop-off. Now, I probably would have had San Francisco as two or three now they're probably four behind philly minnesota and dallas in terms of my nfc power rankings but i i do think that uh the Niners still have a chance not like their season is over all hope is lost uh we'll see i still think that week 15 thursday night game against seattle is gonna be huge and seahawks got a much needed win over the rams to stay within a game of the niners but i don't think that the niners are gonna be on this like super big drop off now that Garoppolo there are is a lot of because they have lot of so weapons. many great weapons on offense yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, you know it's a good point that hey maybe if you're not the biggest Jimmy G believer then you you, you believe that it's not big of a drop like I've talked about with Zappy and Mac Jones like you've seen how Zappy <laughs> yeah. came in and won multiple games like is it really that big of a drop off from Mac Jones to Bailey Zappy I don't know uh it's just that I mean Jimmy G has been the league for several several years and this guy's mr irrelevance so that's why i think it is kind of a big drop up but no he came no, in the and experience looked- is definitely a factor like the, the veteran leadership that jimmy garoppolo provides cannot be understated i mean the guy is a winner when it comes down to it he's more of a you know there are times where he's the guy who does nothing and still gets an a on the project I was, uh, that, the, that uh, is what i always say with jimmy <laughs> g yeah does nothing on the project and still gets an a uh I've used that but I don't know if that's totally fair to say about him because he is someone who he does what he is expected to do. The idea of Trey Lance was that he could be the reason why the Niners win and not just another cog in the machine. And uh, but Jimmy I G has, has think, he, he has been good though this year. Uh, yeah, no, he's he's been very solid this year, and I I don't want to diminish Jimmy Garoppolo. Like I don't think he's a good quarterback. I just like I believe in his floor. I just also think that his ceiling, like there gets to a point where I don't know. And I, I don't know. We'll see where Brock Pur- Purdy's floor is. I, I don't want to just say that this guy is going to be great. You can just plug anybody in there. But you think uh, his floor he, he is, played well, is not as low as it could be. I don't, I don't know. With, with Purdy, I mean. I think it's more like, I mean, in theory, but I think it's mostly just that I'm not sure that his ceiling is that much below Jimmy Garoppolo and that's kind of the way that I'm looking at it mm-hmm. that if his floor is high enough then it should still be fine like they should still be able to rattle off some wins down the stretch win the NFC West have a home playoff game and who knows maybe everything around Brock Purdy is enough to take out a more seasoned team like Minnesota or Dallas or Tampa or whoever it ends up being he so. has plenty of weapons to go to with McCaffrey Ayuk, Debo Kittle and then they and then they have one of the best, if not the best, defense in in the whole league. So mm-hmm. it's a yeah, good situation exactly. for it's. It's not like he's got good surroundings. Uh, so and and an offensive minded coach as well. So mm-hmm. yeah, I mean i I think that we've seen plenty of 
you know, backup third string quarterbacks win games because of talent around them on both sides of the ball. I mean, we've seen that a backup quarterback win to... the Super Bowl too. <laughs> oh, of course. I don't know if he'll be the next Nick Foles, but uh, we, we've there's definitely reasons to believe that teams that are just so well off. Like, yes, there could be a step backwards by going to a, a quarterback who's not a you know seasoned veteran in some cases, like Hall of Fame MVP candidate. But I don't know. I'm I'm excited about Brock Purdy. I think that, uh, you know, there's reason to still believe that San Francisco is. I don't think no, they're 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 not dead, especially since if you know Jimmy G, if he can come back around the you know the divisional round, if if he has a higher ceiling, which he probably does, uh, then. Uh The Niners' hopes that they're they're certainly still alive. I, again, I, yeah, my it, NFC power rankings. I have Philly does. first still, but uh, and you know they're probably behind Minnesota now. But I don't know. They're they're still certainly a playoff team. Very likely having a home playoff game in the wild card round, and and who knows? We'll see from there. Yeah, I mean, I feel like if Purdy rattles off some wins in the playoffs, it'd be tough to go to Jimmy Garoppolo, who hasn't played in two months, but. We'll see. I'm not like fully entertaining the idea of Jimmy coming back just because, you know, if if Purdy's doing his thing, why why change something if it's not broken? But at the same time, I mean, if he's winning like Jimmy did in the playoffs last year where he's not throwing touchdowns, he's throwing interceptions, but the other team is beating themselves and you can maybe more justify it. So, uh, But anyway, I mean, we're talking about these other teams, Philly, Minnesota, Dallas, all won this weekend, uh, two of them in convincing blowouts eagles beat up on the titans aj brown revenge game got john robinson fired today. <laughs> yeah That's talk about your all-time that one was. revenge backfires like not only did aj brown go off but then he, he got the gm fired because of it and yeah the Titans secondary wow they they they, they really do sink stink and and they and aj brown and the eagles offense certainly took advantage of it and mm-hmm yeah, it's kind of the Titans. Obviously, I'm, I'm I'm stubborn on when it comes to how I how I view them and their ceiling, but I'll I'll, I'll always say that they're a very well coached team, and they obviously run the ball well with Henry. But they're kind of like the Patriots. Uh, uh, they're better than the Patriots, but they're kind of like them where they run the ball well, but they have a quarterback that's you know that doesn't have the highest ceiling and. The weapons besides the running back are kind of so-so. Traylon Burks, he's been solid the last few weeks, but then all of a sudden he got hurt, and I think he'll be yeah, fine. Yeah, on his first career touchdown. Yeah, his first career receiving t- – well, it was his second career one, but first yeah, receiving re- touchdown. First yeah. career receiving touchdown, but ends up getting knocked out uh, and yeah, so. out of the game, which is unfortunate. But, yeah, so when it comes to Tennessee, they look good versus Green Bay on that Thursday night game. I thought that was their best game, but – you know, looking back on it, it's like, all right, you know, Tennessee, they can beat up on incompetent teams, but once they face a team like Philly, which is probably unfair, but once they face teams like that, I, I don't I don't believe in them. Uh, and so... No, and I totally agree with that. I think that I've said that I think the Titans are good enough to win the AFC South and beat those teams, and, you know, they have enough pieces to, to win games, especially with a great coach like Mike Vrabel, but the past two weeks, I mean, they host the Cincinnati Bengals, and the game goes just about like it did last year, where the offense can't 
really get going and the Bengals pull it out late and then this game just wasn't even competitive. This was one where like part of me is like, can the Titans maybe do this? But they never had a chance in this game. And the Eagles eleven and one, like they are very much the the top team in the NFC and after Kansas City lost and, you know, Buffalo has they, like they're both nine and three. It's it's hard not to believe like they're the, the number one team in the NFL right now. Yeah, they they're definitely rolling and I I think they're I I think they're a pretty good coach team as well. I mean, I don't know. I know Sirianni's like in his second year, but I don't know. I like how they played these last two games because Green Bay, they're they got a good secondary, but they're horrible against the run. And so, what did the Eagles do? They ran it forty nine times uh, in that game, which is the most in the NFL, and and that resulted in three hundred sixty three rushing yards. So Hertz and Miles Sanders ran all over them. And then in this game, it was the opposite where. The Titans, they have a good front, but they have a horrible secondary. And so what did the Eagles do? They threw for 43 passes. That was the seventh most in the league this year. And Hertz was, uh, he threw for 380 yards and three touchdowns. And so I, I think mm-hmm. the Eagles, they've shown that that they know how to attack the other defenses, the other team's defenses' uh, weaknesses. Uh, so, uh, yeah, so the Eagles, they're cliche firing on all cylinders right now. and and uh, nothing, not much is stopping them unless if it's <laughs> unless if it's Washington as double digit underdogs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wish like, they were never gonna win at all. But I think if you're gonna lose a game like that, felt like a decent time to suffer a loss before you like really get seventeen and zero entertained. And also, it's like a humbling loss at home against a division rival. And you don't have so, that hanging over you as well. Like oh yeah, oh exactly. Like you, you just get that can loss out of the play. way. Like all right. Yeah, that's that's not a factor. At this point, it's like who cares? You go nineteen and one and win the Super Bowl, like awesome. Right. Uh, it it is not anything extra to it. So, uh, de- I mean, it's like we'll see. I think that their uh, remaining schedule, like the really big one, is at Dallas on Christmas Eve, and uh, we'll see how that one goes. But the fact that they have a advantage over Minnesota, who's uh, 10 and 2 following another win this week uh in, just in terms of the tiebreaker and then two games up on Dallas like they're very much in a strong spot to get the one seed as long as they don't get tripped up but I guess by the Giants we'll see that's that'll be an interesting one but the Giants have not been playing as great no. these past few weeks yeah, they, 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 they should have found a way to win this last week ended up with a very disappointing tie on their end so uh don't like their chances as much as I did maybe like a month ago uh, but we'll we'll see how that one goes because they're definitely in need of a big win and they have a huge opportunity. Yeah, this they week. they definitely um, are coming back down to earth, but at the same time, they're still in the mix. I mean, they're in the playoff picture right now, um, and they're they're mm-hmm. uh, they're ahead of Seattle and then you know a half game ahead of Washington right now. So so they're certainly going to be fighting for one of those. I mean Dallas. I I think Philly's gonna be the one seed, and then Dallas is gonna be that first wild card team. It looks like yeah. so they're gonna be one of those few teams that's gonna be fighting for the six and seven spots. Uh, but at the same time, yeah, they're they're trending down right now. Uh, yeah, no, and I agree with that. Uh, I mean Cowboys 
blew out the Colts, 33 points in the fourth quarter. It was a close uh, game. It was 21 to 19 entering the fourth was. quarter. Yeah. <laughs> Not that I thought that yeah. Indy would win that game, but the fact that it was actually close for three quarters, like, all right, oh, so Indy's actually can make it a game? Nope. <laughs> they end up just no. imploding in that fourth quarter. The closest 35-point game of all time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, another revenge game, Lee Cooker, uh, interception and a fumble recovery touchdown in that fourth quarter. Dallas, I mean, they're, they're a team where – they are very much looking really strong, and I think if you just stacked up the playoff teams one through seven, regardless of division, they'd be in a really good spot, but they're probably going to have to go on the road for three games if they want to make it to the Super Bowl, and I don't know that I love their chances as much in that scenario, but I, I do think the Cowboys are a legitimate football yeah, team. Yeah, they, they I mean, are in that tier of, like, like after Philly, it, they're in that tier with Philly, KC, Buffalo and Cincinnati, I think I think they are, you know, you know, arguably top five team. I just don't believe in them once they get to the playoffs. Like it's just the same yeah, story. Th- that's totally fair. <laughs> I, I feel like most I'm not gonna... most of the NFC, like you can say that about because like all of these teams have reasons to doubt them when it comes to big games. Yeah. It's uh, just, just Dallas because we've seen it in the past. Dallas more than anybody though, I get is just the team that I I don't believe in uh when it yeah. comes to that time of the year because they are better than like 90 percent of the teams in the league probably but it's just Mm -hmm. once it gets to that point in the year like i'm I'm not going to trust them whatsoever yeah no and that's totally fair um especially if if the season starts uh the regular season ended today they'd be the five seed and they'd be facing a tampa team who'd be the four seed Mm -hmm. who has mostly sucked this year and yeah, like Dallas would be rightfully favored, but like I would lean Tampa probably because I because I would trust Tom Brady in those situations more than Dallas. <laughs> well, and that that's kind of what that game would come down to, and I I think after the Bucks winning on Monday night, it just out of nowhere, it, it looked like they were just another game against the Saints in J- Tampa where the offense couldn't get going and they pull off it, a crazy comeback. And it was just like that Rams they're game. They're going to win the NFC South. It was just like yeah, that oh, Rams game where thing. they yep. suck for three and a half quarters and then all of a sudden yeah. they come out and win that game. And and uh-huh. what's their what's their record now of six and S- six and six, six and six? Like they would be four and eight or worse maybe if if they had other quarterbacks in that situation. I don't want to say literally any quarterback, but. Brady stole two of those games, the Rams and the, and the Saints game. Uh, yeah, and I think that the defenses uh, certainly helped him out, especially the Rams and with whatever they were trying to do there. But, no, I agree. And I, I think that uh, Brady had struggled a ton this season. I, I don't necessarily think you look at this as a great game, but it's like little things like that that kind of convince you, okay, maybe if you know a team like Dallas or Minnesota or Philly struggles on a big stage in the playoffs, he can find a way to lead this team to a 17-16-esque victory or 16-13. Uh, but ultimately, that, if like I, any of those offenses why are I'm, going, that, they can't keep up with that's that. That's why I'm not completely out on Tampa even though they've been worse than all those teams Philly Dallas Minnesota San Francisco and on and on but when it gets to that time of the year you know Brady like has has the experience to handle those kind of pressure situations unlike some of those teams like that keep falling or that that keep failing in those situations like a like a team like Dallas 
Yeah, I mean, that's the biggest thing that they have going for them. And in a lot of ways, it's probably the only thing. Yeah. I mean, the, <laughs> the Bucks they've been a mess this year. And as much as you can say, like, yeah, they have Brady, they also have Todd Bowles, who punts from the 40-yard line, the opponent's 40-yard line, and ends up with a touchback. Yeah. So I, I don't think that his return to coaching has gone all that well. And it still has to be considered a factor. So... Um, I mean, definitely a good, impressive win for them. On the flip side, the Saints, just a horrible season gets even worse, and <laughs> they're about to hand Philly a top-five pick. I, I thought I liked their chances going into this game, and I thought I, I felt pretty justified uh, given the 16-3 score late in this They've one. They've always but... had their number, no matter what. Luckily, the one time they didn't was the playoff game. I, I know the Bucks won in Week 2, but... But mm-hmm. but you know what I mean though like the Saints ever since Brady's been in Tampa they've pretty much have had the Bucks number the entire time and so yeah I mean it, this was the first time uh, the Bucks scored an offensive touchdown at home against the Saints since Brady was there wow. because they lost thirty eight to three two years ago and they lost thirteen to nothing last year wow <laughs> that 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 is that's a wild stat uh, yeah no for sure and it, I, I, mean, I vividly remember both those lead, games so. and and. Yeah, and the Saints just owned them both times. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. And it, it looked like more of the same until that you know end of the fourth quarter. Mark Ingram going out of bounds before the first down. Like he, I don't know what he was doing. Well, there. he apparently he was injured on that play, but yeah, the way the way uh, that looked, like it looked like he had money on the the Bucks. <laughs> the way <laughs> the, the way that uh, play turned, like all he needed was like another yard half a yard like the, the yeah, game would have been right. over. not much more uh-huh. this is not an apples yeah. to apples comparison but in that rams bucks game i think i think cup got a catch and there was a there, there was a he got a catch and then he, he probably could have gotten the first down but he didn't uh but it's not not apples to apples comparison whatsoever because mark ingram was like <laughs> by himself and had it yeah uh-huh <laughs> And just went out of bounds yeah. right before the marker. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, that, that's, I think, a huge potential play because Saints could be five and eight with the Bucks five and seven and start to convince yourself, all right, maybe they can put something together. But ultimately, when Andy Dalton's your starting quarterback, like, I don't know what this team is doing because they're not. Like they're they're four and nine. It's not like Dalton's winning them games. Like you have Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill. You could be a fun football team. They're just not a fun team. Yes. And it's not like they have incentive to lose because Philly gets their first round pick. I don't get it either. So. And so Jameis, he was hurt early in the year with a back injury, right? Is he mm-hmm. is he not? Yeah, is he, oh, he, is he, he healthy hurt? now? I thought he was, but for whatever reason, Dennis Allen continues to throw Dalton it's out just, there. No, and it I made sense. It made Dennis sense Allen, early in the year so. when people were talking about when he was injured. Yeah, when he was yeah. injured, and I figured, like, okay, like that's a bad injury, or because it sounded like it, there were reports about like he had fractures. Uh, I don't even. I don't even. Yeah, I mean, it sounded like a really bad back injury, so, and maybe it, it's just like he can't play. So I, I don't know, but I, I thought at this point he was healthy, right. and they just. Refuse to play him if he's healthy or healthy like. enough. I'd rather see him out there. Well, I'll admit, I as a Taysom guy, I would rather see Taysom no matter what. But like, I'm <laughs> I'm not stupid. I know he's not exactly a traditional QB, but you see him out Got there catching catching touchdowns and lining up a tight end. Uh, and so you know he's the he's still the he's still the man. And yeah, like you said, it'd be more fun if it were either of those guys in there. But no, it's freaking Andy Dalton, and like you said, not even winning games. 
So I don't I don't get yeah. it either. I think that's the frustrating part about it. It's so not, you have two guys like, that'd be more. He's not fun. really doing anything. Uh-huh. <laughs> if you're gonna go, if you're yeah. gonna lose, go down in flames. <laughs> exactly, and they. I mean, they're they're going down in flames, but like not in a good way. So, uh, yeah, I'd rather watch. Um, I'd rather watch a a bad product uh, in a you know going down in flames kind of good way. Like remember when uh again not a perfect comparison, but. Last week when Fields was out versus the Jets, and so oh, we almost was, got yeah, Nathan it was like Peterman. yeah, uh-huh. Simeon got hurt in uh in, in warmups, so like Nathan Peterman time, like all right, here we go, <laughs> bring in yep. the Petermobile, but like now Simeon comes in like, and then it was just a boring loss for them. It's like oh yeah, I know it's it's not it's not the same. It's not fun like that. And it, <laughs> as neutral fans talking about teams that don't have a chance to go to the playoffs, you'd much rather them lose in a fun yeah. way than <laughs> lose like that so i wanted the peter mobile out there so badly <laughs> <laughs> so uh five weeks left in the season it is crazy how fast things have flown by but still a lot of big games and uh you know we'll, we'll definitely do our best to make sure that we talk about as much football as possible down the stretch but uh that'll wrap up nfl for now and let's jump right into five questions where we have plenty of other big sports that are very topical to discuss right now and we're not going to stray too far yet when it comes to football just uh not at the professional level so let's get started with question number one okay question number one the college football playoffs uh playoffs are set with georgia michigan tcu and ohio state as the four teams did the committee get it right i believe that they did uh, certainly with the four teams that got in, I think you can maybe question whether TCU should have gone down to four and Ohio State to three. But outside of the Michigan-Ohio State semifinals rematch, I don't know that TCU losing in overtime for their first loss of the season is enough to justify Ohio State moving up two spots for not playing. Uh, I don't believe that teams should be punished for losing an extra game, especially when it's close. Uh in the case of like Southern Cal, they got destroyed by Utah for the second time this season. So I don't hate them falling out in Ohio State going in. But this idea that Alabama or Tennessee should have gone in over TCU d- does not make any sense to me why you would reward either of those two lost teams. Not even just from like a resume standpoint, but I don't think either of those teams are good enough like to say like they're definitively the fourth best team in the country. Yeah, so... I'm obviously not as big of a college football expert as you, but I believe that they got it right, the four teams, and the way they ranked them, too, where obviously Georgia's one, Michigan's two, and then, yeah, like Ohio State, they lost to Michigan in the in the rivalry game, and they didn't get to play for any sort of Big Ten championship. And so, like, but I didn't want Alabama in there. They got two losses. like, And, you know, if Alabama were in there, they would be – they would be a touchdown favorite probably over TCU and they probably would it'd be a toss up, maybe slight favorite o- over Ohio state. So maybe they'd be better on paper, but no, I don't care. You lost twice and you probably could have lost more than twice where, because they had, they had those two losses for Tennessee and LSU and they had two close games versus Texas and Texas and uh, yeah, Texas A&M and Ole Miss as well. I mean, it, people are saying, yeah, they're two plays away from being twelve and zero. They're three plays away from being seven and five. Yeah, so <laughs> if Quinn Ewers doesn't get hurt, they lose that game. 
if A&M is a competent team, they would have ran a play that had a shot at a touchdown at the, the end. And Ole Miss also, they had a fourth and 16 from the Bama 20-yard line. I know it's a stretch when it's that long, but they were down 30 to 24, and that was with like a minute left in the game. So, yeah, so they maybe have more Bama's talent really not than, all that far. than TCU and Ohio State maybe, but... I don't care. He lost twice. Like, I don't want. You're not. I don't it's want not a based off recruiting rankings. Like, I, yeah, I mean, it's just it's not 2015. Like, this is not an Alabama team that is like far and away like they're the best team in the country. Like, let's not just reward them because of the brand. If, like TCU deserved to get in, and there's no yeah, even though they lost to K State in the in the the Big Twelve championship. Like, it's still like it's they, overtime. They, they still went undefeated, and, and I know team. their schedule probably wasn't as. Uh, you know, a harder strength of schedule than the other three teams, but it still went, un- well, no, it still went undefeated a, uh, until that. They game. did have a hard strength of schedule. Like people are saying, because because the Big Twelve didn't have like a Michigan, Ohio State, and an Alabama, Georgia, Tennessee, where you have like multiple top five, top ten teams. People are dismissing TCU. Big Twelve still had five ranked teams. Okay. And TCU beat all of them. So they so they did so have like, a harder strength of schedule. Yeah, their schedule. That I don't know what the final rankings were, but their schedule was the hardest in the league at one point or the entire country, because like. Even though they didn't play a team that was a playoff threat, they still played teams that were top twenty-five in the country, like almost every week. Okay, that so, I did not know. Um, yeah, this yeah. isn't like UCF and <laughs> them trying to get in the playoffs. Like this, is, they, they they very much deserved it. Like the Big Twelve is still a very good mm-hmm. conference. Okay. So. Well, I guess one thing to mention though is that if you're someone that's against the college football playoff, you might have a point this year because. It probably will be Georgia and Michigan, like the the two teams that. This would be a year for top two. Yeah, yes. this would be. And, this seems like a year it where also, it's going to be those two. I think this would be a year where the top twelve would make a ton of sense as well because we're having all these arguments and it, like I'm excited for it to expand and people yeah, are trying I, to say like it'll diminish regular season games for every game like Ohio State Michigan that maybe has a little less meaning. You're gonna have so many others that have way more because you're gonna have so many more teams that are gonna have opportunities to get into the playoffs and it's gonna be fun having home playoff games instead of meaningless bowl games. Yeah, like, I, I'm, that's, I'm that's in favor the of reality. There are too many. It. There are too many so. meaningless bowl games. Uh, mm-hmm. So I, yeah, and I think we're still going to have a lot of bowl games, like beyond those top twelve teams. But I think it'll be good. But for it's the just sport pointless outside more. of outside of the those four teams. Like I, I don't know. I'm just yeah. Oh, I know. Like they they don't really mean a whole lot. Uh, I mean, Kansas State against Alabama, that's a game where you have one team is happy to be there and the other one's not happy to be there. So if Kansas State beats Alabama, it doesn't actually mean Kansas State is better than Bama. But uh, but that's certainly something that people love to to point out is how conferences do in bowl games. And I just don't think that's a fair way to assess it. I'd much rather see these games play out in an actual playoff. So Did you like the video I sent very you? Very happy we'll get in 2024. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was a <laughs> the, perfect uh, way to describe uh, – <laughs> Alabama situation of of not getting into the mm-hmm. college football playoff. Yeah, which yeah, <laughs> and it look they don't have to get in every single year. It's just it's a mean girls thing. Like I, I no context college football. If anyone wants to look it up on Twitter, I, I just loved it because uh, when yeah. I watched that video <laughs> and I saw that uh, Lindsay Lohan's character is Georgia, and then Regina George is Alabama, and the, and then the other two on the table are Ohio State. Uh, Ohio State, uh, Michigan. I'm, I'm. My first thought was like, "Where is TCU?" And then, split second later, I'm like, "Oh, I know which one's TCU." <laughs> <laughs> Watch where you're going. <laughs> uh, uh, 
Yeah. So. Yeah. Now, I mean, all that being said, as much as it pains me to say, I think Georgia's going to win the national championship. I think that they're the best team. I think that it doesn't matter whether they play TCU or Ohio State or Alabama or Tennessee in the first round. They're going to win that game. And maybe Michigan has a better chance this year, but they did not compete at all last year. And I don't know that this is going to be that much closer. I th- I think I think it'll be Georgia, Michigan. And I think it'll be closer. Like I'm not going to predict it, but I, I, I hope so. I, yeah, I, no, I'm, I mean, I would love to see. I'm very confident it'll be those two teams, though, the way they've looked. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that. I, I know I'm going to root for the winner of Michigan TCU in the national championship as well, and because uh, I also don't really like Ohio State, but Georgia's definitely number two after Clemson. And uh, Really? Okay. I guess I'll throw out the uh, do love that Clemson and Tennessee are facing each other in the yeah, Orange Bowl. Bowl. Yeah, very, very <laughs> fitting orange, orange Bowl. And also, do you think they should both yeah. wear their primary orange? <laughs> Make Why it not? really difficult. Yeah. I mean, it, I think, uh, yeah. I mean, it's I, I love that they're playing not just because it is Orange Orange Bowl, but it's also the loss to Shane Beamer and the Gamecocks Bowl because we are the reason that neither of those teams are in the college football playoff because they certainly would have been had they not lost those two That games. is a good point, yeah. All right, so uh, we'll definitely talk about those uh, games as they actually play out um, later this month and into January, but for now let's talk about number two. And the Bruins and the Celtics both find themselves at or near the top of their respective leagues here in early December. Who is more likely to remain there when it's all said and done? Yeah, so I definitely saw the Bruins' hot start coming for sure. I definitely thought they'd win their first 13 home games. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's incredible. Uh, Uh, Unbelievable start uh, to their season. And yeah, I'm definitely... I'm I'm de- I'm definitely feeling confident in both teams, but I'm still going to go with the Celtics. But it is a closer debate than I would have imagined. Mm-hmm. But and the reason I'm going with the Celtics is just because I I just think in basketball, looking at the looking at the standings and the NBA standings, the the only other team I believe in in the East, like we mentioned in the preview, is Milwaukee. Uh, I'm 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 glad Cleveland is playing well, but I still don't I don't believe him as like a title contender whatsoever. And you know the Celtics they struggle with big men, teams that have great big men. So like maybe I can't rule completely rule out Philly, but you know me when it comes to Philly, I don't take the Sixers seriously. Well, so the, there's two ways to look at it, and like yeah, come playoff time there could be bigger threats. But when Philly's what twelve and eleven, are they really going to catch right, the Celtics exactly. in just, terms of so the standings? That's just a long way of me saying that I don't. There aren't enough teams that I really believe in in the NBA outside of like it's the Celtics, it's the Bucks, and then you know the West. I would have said the Warriors, but they're they're off to a shaky start right now. We'll see how how. Yeah. So this question is mostly meant to be like who's like oh who in the regular season would be the one seed or like the top team. I I'm still leaning with the but, Celtics. Yes. I'm I'm still leaning that. No, and they're I, off to they're off to yeah. an amazing start too. I mean, like offensively, uh, they're out of this world. I know the modern day NBA, there's like no defense, but the Celtics are breaking records uh, offensively. Only team in the league averaging 120 points per game, which is, it's amazing because last year it was the defense that was the the strong suit. Now this year, now it's, this year it's the offense completely offense and mm-hmm. yeah, so. But whatever way you look at it, I'm going to pick the Celtics. And maybe that's probably because I'm more of an optimistic Celtics fan and more of a pessimistic Bruins fan, too. <laughs> uh, uh-huh. And just can't believe how how hot of a start the Bruins are uh, are at right now. But do you remember in 2019 when 
the the Tampa Bay Lightning, they had the greatest regular season ever. Do you know what ha- you remember what happened after that? They just they lost they didn't they, they, they didn't win a game. single game. They got swept in the Yeah, they got swept. Regular, the the first round versus Columbus sure. and it's just when it comes to hockey, there's way more parity in in hockey. Like yes, they could be the number 1 uh-huh. seed and face a team that they're that's that they're better than, but I, I don't know. I just I think I feel like in the NHL it's just way way more wide open in the NHL. Uh, that's yeah. I mean, I I agree with all of your points. Uh, it, the Bruins have definitely been a big surprise. I think part of it is that guys that were supposed to be injured yeah, Martian came, came back, back way earlier than I expected. Uh, I I thought he'd be back. Yep. I still thought he'd be out right now. Uh, he came back. Yeah, I mean, multiple he, months earlier. He was than supposed I to be out till like January. Yeah, right? I thought he was supposed At to be least, out till January. So. And then they also have yeah. McAvoy back now too, which is great. But so that's definitely a surprise. I guess another thing about the Bruins is that one of the reasons why they're probably off to such a hot start is because it sounds like some of the players, especially the younger guys, were not fans of Cassidy. Yeah, that was one thing that. I didn't realize because I think as fans, it was like, why would you get rid of Bruce Cassidy? He's a great coach. Get rid of the guys above him. But it does seem like a lot of the players were influential in him leaving. Yeah, like like I, I saw a couple quotes from some of the players, like Brandon Carlo. He certainly was not a fan of Cassidy. He talked about, I've never, so when training camp started, uh, he talked about, I've never had so much fun playing hockey again. That's the thing that got in my head last year. I was too worried about essentially effing up. Uh and now I can play freely. It's like, okay, well, that's definitely a shot at the coach. And there's another guy, mm-hmm. another defenseman who say who said, uh, if you'd make the slightest mistake, he Cassie would start calling you out and pushing a lot of guys on our team down mentally. So I'm hoping this coaching change will help our team. It's like a lot of the younger guys, and then DeBrusque, uh, Jake DeBrusque, like he wanted to trade. Yeah, he, he demanded. He demanded to trade. trade for like an entire year, and then all of a sudden, when Cassie's out, it's like, yeah, I don't. Uh, he's having the best year of his of his career. I don't think that's a coincidence. Uh, so yeah, it, it looks like some of the younger guys, you can certainly question the mental toughness of, of, of some of the players on the Bruins, but it sounds like they really were not in favor of uh, Cassidy's remaining as the head coach. But I, I, I liked Cassidy. I liked that he was blunt and just told you like it is. Whether if you, if you were great, he would, he would let you know, but if you also sucked, he would let you know as well. And so I don't know. I just, I was a fan of him, and it stinks that he's gone. But at the same time, the way they're starting right now, if 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 a coaching changes, what's gonna, uh, you know, make these guys better? Then I'm for it. And then another thing is Ber- Bergeron. This is probably his last year, so it's kind of like a, you know, like that last year tour, and and they want to win win it yeah, for him. So maybe there, so there's even maybe even more motivation, like not just the coaching change, but also. You know, realizing that you know Bergeron could have retired last year, and that now this is, this is probably his last year. Even though he's still a great player, uh, at some point this era is going to end. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, sorry, no, sorry to go on that whole know. rant there, but but <laughs> no, hey, we don't get to talk about um, hockey very often on this show, yeah. so uh, definitely uh, an opportunity there. But I, I do agree. Ultimately, I think it's just expectations are a big factor, but also. NHL, it, it is more wide open, like you said. Feels like it's the Celtics in the box. The, the Celtics East are really on a mission too. So. After losing the finals last mm-hmm. year, and and not, and not just because of the results uh, on the court right now, you know, being twenty and five to start the year. But I, I listened to Tatum and Brown and others like after these games, and 
and Horford and the way they talk about their mentality on the court. Because the NBA, it, or, well, both 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 sports, it's a long season, it's 82 games, and yep. there could be scheduled losses here and there, but I, I watched that game yesterday versus Toronto, and that was on a back-to-back, and they're flying into a different country, and like that, they could have easily lost that game, but they... And Horford, like he didn't even play, and then Blake Griffin's playing yeah. thirty plus minutes. Blake Griffin starting. And it's like uh, like that could have been an easily scheduled loss, but like no, they actually stayed in that game and won. And like they're not they're they're not letting their foot off the gas. That worries me a little bit because because I feel like one of the reasons why they lost last year was because they were tired and they played too many games. Like and that's that's their wrongdoing as well because because they should have ended you know like the Miami series and other series quicker. But so that worries me a little bit. Like, will they have fresh legs in June? But at the same time, like they got their their mentality is on point right now, right with the Celtics. Yeah, no, and it it is a tough stretch coming up on out west. Bunch of potential finals previews at Phoenix Wednesday, at Golden State Saturday, at the Clippers Monday, and then. Finishing off with a nice easy game at the Lakers on Tuesday. So <laughs> they're playing better now, and especially Anthony Davis. Though they are, I know Anthony Davis has been awesome. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, um, I'm yeah, he'll probably get hurt at some point. But the way that he's playing yeah. right now, though, like the Lakers are definitely turning things around. Uh, but still outside of the playing field. Also worth mentioning, just one last thing in the Bruins: mm-hmm. they did suffer their first home loss, of right? The season, and it was against Cassidy's it was against Knights. the Golden Knights. I watched that, and they ended it once it went to a shootout. I was like, oh, yeah, the Golden Knights are winning. The Bruins suck in shootouts, and they haven't been in a shootout in forever, too. So history and you know the fact that they haven't been in a shootout in, in a while, like I was, I was like definitely confident mm-hmm. Golden Knights were winning that game once it went to a shootout, and it took five shots. Like the Bruins said, they had five chances and they couldn't put in the, the puck in the net once, and and obviously at some point Vegas was going to get one. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it was inevitable that the Bruins would lose a, a home game. Maybe not the team that you want it to happen to for the first time, but not totally unexpected given that the Golden Knights are right up at the yeah, top. Yeah, there was the a playoff vibe to that Conference. game uh, just because both those mm-hmm. teams are two of the best teams in the league, and there was obviously some you know, revenge factor. Uh, speaking of more revenge yeah. games. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then they play them again in a week too. Yeah. So both, both done uh, pretty early in the season. All right, question number three. Uh, the U.S. men's national team, soccer team, lost to the Netherlands in the round of 16 at the FIFA World Cup. How would you describe their time in the tournament? I would say it was all around fairly expected in terms of the final result, losing in the round of 16. I know, I mean, some people called the group stage um, the group of death, but I think the expectation was that they would get out and that England would be the, the one team above them, did get a nice little draw, but uh, just couldn't compete against the Netherlands. And I think that losing in the round of 16 was pretty much where you thought it would be. You'd be disappointed if you didn't make it to the knockout stage. You'd be happy if you got to the quarterfinals. And I don't know, it just feels like kind of meh in terms of how this played out. And now it's like, oh, 2026, we're one of the host countries. Like, that's our time. This second youngest team in the World Cup is going to be great. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I was I was very much getting into it, and I was hoping to have at least one more game to be able to cheer on the U.S. team. Yeah, so that went exactly how I expected it to, to go, where 
they would get out of the group stage, but then they'd lose immediately to a a, a better team. That that went exactly how mm-hmm. I thought I would. And then the thing is, they they scored three goals in four games. Uh, it's just I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that, oh, that's I know. annoying that they. They, yeah. They, in terms of how it played out, it was like not necessarily all that fun. No. Like you got an early goal in the, like the, most of those matches yeah, and then just nothing yeah, else. So they they got a draw versus Wales one to one. They had one shot on goal. I mean, and they made the most of the the shot, but it was one <laughs> shot on uh-huh. one one shot on goal the entire game for the US versus Wales. And then a, yeah, zero zero draw and then and then they had that one goal versus Iran where where uh Pulisic, uh, if I pronounce that right, he got like need in the Something need like in that. the in the area but uh <laughs> but got the goal anyway uh, and and then yeah so I'll admit I didn't watch much of it but I did watch part of that game and went to extra nine extra minutes of time oh versus, I know there are oh, so many games that nine many extra minutes, minutes versus I like d- d- they they must have really wanted Iran to win that game or tie it or something yeah right because <laughs> nine extra minutes uh-huh. it was absurd uh, yeah, I mean, if they did tie it, then Iran would have advanced, and U.S. would have been knocked out. So. Yeah, so yeah, so that, and then all of a sudden, yeah, they get they got out of the group stage, even though it was just a bunch of draws and a measly one nothing win. But then they face a, a team that was obviously better. It was just like that 2014 World Cup where they, oh my God, they're in the group of death. Like, what are they gonna do? And then they proved the doubters <laughs> yeah. wrong. Like they beat Ghana, <laughs> and they tied Portugal, yeah. and they lost to Germany. Like. They went 0-1-1 and one versus the actual good teams, and they beat Ghana. Like, great. And then they lost to... It was a revenge game, though. But yeah. And then they lost yeah. to... No, I, I... And then they yes. lost to Belgium, the first team that they faced out of the group stage. So it went kind of yeah. just like 2014. And 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 now 99% of soccer fans will... will uh, casual soccer fans won't really pay attention to soccer in, until 2026. But you know what? One thing to mention mm-hmm. is that a lot of... Soccer experts, analysts out there do say that 2026. This is before the world, this World Cup. Like a lot, like a lot of sharp soccer people were saying that the U.S. like they're they're a decent team, but their their time real their their time is in 2026. That's a lot of people are saying. Yeah, and coincidentally, they happen to be the host then too. So my guess is that it'll be a really big thing like really really big thing in 2026 when when we're actually hosting it and the art uh the US team is actually better too. Yeah, I mean just huge expectations at that point when all these guys. I mean it's the, consider the golden generation already and the idea is they'll all be 4 years older and they'll have more experience and be able to compete with a team like the Netherlands because we we don't have a Memphis Depay. Our Memphis Depay was in Qatar but he was on TV in the the studio. So uh, definitely not uh, at the same level as any of those teams. And I'm hopeful for 2026, but it'll be a huge letdown if we don't make it that much further. So, How did Qatar get it? <laughs> how did Qatar get the host? Because they, I mean, I'm, I'm sure they bribed they FIFA, bribed. but how, how did they really yeah. get it? They just... it? It's ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, that is how they really got it was, hey, here's a ton of money, let us host. It, it, it is, it's ridiculous. I just blew my yeah. mind that they... That that the World Cup is is located there, uh, and the fact that they can't even mm-hmm. play there in the summertime because it's so hot there, and that they have to play in November. <laughs> oh, I know. It's just it's just, it's uh-huh. just ridiculous that it really throws everything off. Now it's you're competing with uh you know football and college football and college basketball and everything else. It's like yeah, well, now that U.S. is out of it, I'll look at the box scores, yeah. but I don't really plan on watching. Yeah, any of these I've I barely games. have watched uh, 
shows you shows you the true soccer fan I am. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, I mean, I I don't think anyone believes that we are big soccer no. fans here, but <laughs> no. Uh, have to talk about it. It is the biggest tournament in the world. The sports <laughs> podcast. So <laughs> it's funny how you said that. It's only the biggest tournament uh, in, the, in the in the world uh, in sports. Uh, yeah. No, and I, I do have a big appreciation for the World Cup. I love it more than like the Olympics and stuff. But I will say that, know, yeah, I, so I, much. It's, the Olympics. I really liked when Michael Phelps was like in the prime of his career when they were in Beijing. Yeah, and right. He was winning all these gold medals. I'll admit, I was watching a lot of the Olympics then, but you know, ever since then, like, yeah, I I do not care about the Olympics. So like, it's kind of in that same boat for me. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah i mean i really haven't kept up with the olympics a ton since 2012 um at least going out of my way to right. to watch it as opposed to just being around while it's on right so all right question number four the mlb hot stove is heating up as the winter meetings get underway what are your thoughts on the news and rumors of the past few days so lots of free agent signings and uh, lots of potential for more. Yeah, so there are definitely a few bi- few big moves that have happened in the recent days. There are some that I don't really think that'll make that big of an impact. Like, so Jake DeGrom, he's going from the Mets to the Rangers now, signing a big contract for five years. And yes, that makes the rotation better. Yes, that makes the Rangers better. But I, I don't believe in them, like, that much. Like, yes, they'll... They'll finish ahead of the standings, like probably ahead of like Oakland and you know the Angels, who can just never get out of their way, like even though they have two of the best Uh players in the league. But I I don't even. Not only do I not, I don't think they're the best team in their division. I don't think they're the best team in their own state. (laughs) Like so. uh, Oh yeah, I mean they definitely have not caught up. They have not caught up to the Astros, and so does it make them better? Yes, but I, I don't think it that. I don't think it. I don't think it drastically makes them a title contender or anything like that. So they've invested a ton of money into their team after signing yeah. uh, Seager Corey Seager and, and Marcus Simeon last and, year. And but now, they're still sixty eight and ninety four yeah, like still... and DeGrom can't stay healthy. Like that's a So even though he's a legit number one ace and it helps them, like they're, they're... when he's actually on the mound, right. yeah. But but I, I, that still doesn't uh I mean it moves the needle a little, but like it, they're not they're not, not title contenders. There's, they're still going to be no, a... and it, with their stadium. They have to spend money. Like, it, good for them. Like, that is a great stadium, and like they got to get fans in, and it, it brings some excitement. But Jacob Degrom leaving doesn't the put Mets him over the top. That's so I, I think it's just a whatever move. Yeah, and then uh, another pitcher that speaking of the Astros, Justin Verlander is no longer on the Astros now. He's now. Uh, on the New York Mets, replacing DeGrom. DeGrom's replacement. <laughs> two years. Yeah, two years, uh, 40 plus million a year. And I, I really look at that. Mo- I know Verlander's great. He's one of the best pitchers of our of our time, of our generation. And he's been, you know, he's been an ace for for, for many, many years. And I'm sure he'll help the Won Mets. Won Young this year. Yep. So he's still, even though he's mid to late 30s, he's still, he's still rolling. And he's definitely a future Hall of Famer. So I'm sure it'll help the Mets, and Mets usually have a great rotation. But at the same time, it's like okay, the Mets they can be a playoff team again. But I still, they're still gonna be the Mets. They'll still probably choke at some point. And <laughs> I think that yeah. move helps. I think that move is better than the Rangers one, because I think the Mets have a yeah, I, I much stronger I like the chance Mets of decision. Of, it would... yeah, it's 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 less years too. It's two years. 
and yes. uh-huh. and they have a much better shot of competing for a title than the Rangers do. And so, so I like that move more than the Degrom one. But at the same time, it's just it's the Mets. <laughs> like I can't I can't get over that part. Uh-huh. It's just like that they choke time and year after year in the playoffs and. And, and and sometimes they don't even make the playoffs. Like they just straight up suck. And so, I'm glad he's on the Yankees. <laughs> well, I'm happy about that. Oh uh, yeah, no, I I agree with that. I I think that if Verlander and Max Scherzer stay healthy, I mean that is right. as great of a top two rotation as you can have, especially for guys given their age. I mean they they I remember, are still they're still dealing right now. I remember when the Red Red Sox were in the 2013 postseason, the the series that worried me the most of all of them was Detroit. Like it wasn't the World Series. Like I I, I really thought Detroit was legit, uh, because of guys like Verlander and Scherzer just happen to be on the same team now again. And like they they were they were great everywhere. Like they had they had they had a great lineup with, you know, Cabrera and Fielder but like their rotation is what really worried me with with Verlander and Scherzer in particular. So yeah, so those two guys are legit when they're out there. And you know, Verlander typically stays healthy outside of he had uh Tommy John the year before uh, in 2021. Yeah, so he had Tommy John in 2020. 2020 all of the but missing 2021, season. right. Um uh, but Yeah. Yeah, so if you look at it statistically, DeGrom has pitched more games than Verlander the past few seasons, but that's only because Verlander missed the entire season right. and a half with Tommy John surgery. But but DeGrom gets hurt more and often. Made starts after. Like, yeah, exactly. So so I like that he move a little more bit more separate than times the, in the IL. I like that move more than the DeGrom one, but at the same time, it's the Mets. The one I like the most, or well, the contract is really really crazy, but. But I do think it helps their lineup a lot. Is the Trey Turner move? You know, they, they were mm-hmm. that they were they made it all the way to Game Six of the World Series, and to add a guy like that who's great on uh, as, at the plate as a leadoff hitter, gets on base a lot, hits for power, uh, good good at stealing bases, good OBP guy. He's one of the fastest. He's he's, guys he's, in the a, leg- he's a legit leadoff hitter, uh, and he was certainly a factor in helping the Nationals win their World Series. And so, like, yes, it's a lot of money, but but uh, I I think he, the, the Phillies lineup is great. I I I'm I'm still gonna be yeah. now. They don't have Harper for I don't know how long, but for the first half he'll of miss the season. part. Yeah, he'll miss a fir- yeah. Like the they first think half the All Star break he'll be back. Right, but once they get him back, I I I'm still gonna be pretty high on on the Phillies. Uh, I I think I think they can. I think they have a legit shot at getting back again. Uh, with a move yeah, no, I agree with you. I think it was a huge move for the Phillies. And as much as you can say, like, so 11-year, $300 million contract is crazy, he reportedly turned down way more money from the Padres. Uh, there were reports that they offered him more than the Mets paid Lindor, which was $341 million. So that just shows you how much he wanted to go to Philly, uh, which is feels kind of crazy. It's not like, the I mean, the Padres lost to them in the NLCS, but I right. guess if he'd rather be on the East Coast than the West Coast, you'll be more than fine with just 300 million instead of 350 million at that point it's only so much of a difference so yeah so out of the big moves that have happened so far that one's that one's my favorite uh in terms of team success potential success uh you know Aaron Judge though 
<laughs> or or arson judge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to see if uh, there's any new like actual news with him mm-hmm. that's come out, but so far it's still just a a my bad report from John. Hayden. Right, he's being rumored to go to the Giants, and that will certainly help them. But I don't I don't know what to think of that. Obviously, it's a big splash. He's arguably the biggest name on the market, winning an MVP, breaking uh, Rogers Maris Roger Maris's record. And so, obviously, it's a great move for whoever gets them. But so, if it's the Giants, okay, they won 100 plus games in 2021, but they were what? What? What were their? What was their record this year? What? I mean, they. I think they were 82 and 80. They didn't. They had no chance of competing with uh, with the Dodgers or Padres this this past year. Mm-hmm. And so, that's a tough division. Like, so even though it will obviously help them, does that make them a playoff team? I, I don't know. I have my doubts. Even though he obviously makes yeah. the lineup better, yeah, I mean it. It was a weird swing because they won 107 games out of nowhere, and 500 is probably more of the. Yeah, I think I think that's I think that's mo- that one was like a flash in the pan. That that 2021 yeah. year. Mm-hmm. No, and Aaron Judge is from the Bay Area, so it makes sense that he'd go to San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Like that connection is there, and it. I mean it. It's one of those weird things with baseball where you got to pay these guys like crazy amount of money just for things like ticket sales and merchandise and all that benefit. But one guy isn't going to make or break a team for the most part. Now, Aaron Judge, I think, should have won MVP even with Shohei Otani being the all-world player he is because I think that Judge was the reason why the Yankees were as good as they were. But I agree that him going to San Francisco, like they'll they'll have years where, hopefully in the beginning, where they're like very much a, a World Series contender, especially if they're spending money. But they're also a team that's susceptible to not really be a big threat, especially you know given the division they play in. So, and then the the last the the last one we got mentioned. I I I think Bogarts. I think he's gone. I I don't I don't think he's coming back. I, I can see him in the yeah, especially with Trey Turner's deal. Like he, he I, I'd imagine Bogarts. I don't think it'll be that high. I'd imagine it'll be something like eight years, two hundred million in that in that range. But the Red Sox are yeah. not. Uh, the you know be the cheap case that that they are. They're not going to pay him. Uh, I'd imagine it'll be someone like. Uh, some team like Chicago. I was going to guess Philly, but because Philly just happened to sign a different shortstop for giant uh, money, uh, it's not going to be the Phillies. Uh, so my guess is that'll be the Cubs. But yeah, it's such a shame that, would that make sense. the Red Sox, mm-hmm. I, uh, as as year after year, I, I have less and less reasons to, you know, be a big baseball fan now. I've, I've told you this hundreds of times that like, yeah, baseball, I, I'm definitely feel, more out of, I still pay attention but like obviously I feel more out of touch than I used to be than when we were much younger but I still care about the Red Sox I still want to pay attention to them but now now like they lose bets and now they're about to lose Bogarts and so I do not believe in the like I know they have this last to first thing this roller coaster <laughs> that they always go on but uh-huh. I don't think that last to first thing is going to happen this year and I don't even know when that that time will come because I don't like now that Bogarts will likely be gone. It's it's like what Devers and 
I, I don't. He's has one more year before he's in the same and, and spot. I don't, and will so. he come back? I have no idea. Like, so I, I don't, I don't like the Red Sox future whatsoever. And uh, I kind of wish that they would just get rid of Heim Bloom at this point. He is not panned out. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely taken the more analytical approach as opposed to just shell out a bunch of money to free agents. But what I will say is, the writing on the wall has seemingly been there with. Uh, Bogarts after the Trevor Story signing last year. Right. And I think there's two ways to look at it. There's a, well, you paid Story to be the shortstop, so makes sense that Bogarts gone. And then there's a, why did the Red Sox pay Trevor Story instead of paying Bogarts? Yeah. See, Bogarts is a homegrown guy. Why would you pay the dude from Coors Field? The, the because, guy from Coors Field who hits like, like 260 and... Yeah, and that's always been the the Red Sox mentality is to go out and spend a ton of money on other teams' players instead of their own, and it rarely works out. Like literally, I, I ran through this on one of the very first episodes of He's Done It four years ago, and hasn't really changed much since. There have been two big time free agent signings that you're like, yes, these absolutely worked out. One is Manny Ramirez back in two thousand one. The other was. At the time, J.D. Martinez in 2018, and it was a very much a hypothetical, and he ended up being a key member to arguably the best Red Sox team of all time, 108 wins in a World Series. And so he was excellent that that's year. That's it. Yeah. I mean, he was awesome that season, and you know, at this point, I think that most Red Sox fans are okay with him leaving, given that he's well past his prime, but the Red Sox are still a team that wants to spend all this money over the years and they do it to guys from the outside instead of paying their own. And I would much rather this team extend Xander Bogarts and Rafael Devers than sign Trevor Story. And I don't even know, like it, it, if it's Bogarts or Devers at this point, I'm very much Devers. So I'm okay with Bogarts going elsewhere if they hand Devers a back, because I think that at this point, he's the guy that you should be focused on. And it's frustrating to think that um, they could potentially lose both of those guys. I remember when they signed the Red Sox. Or I remember when they signed Story. I was yeah. thinking, well, I, I I like this move, but I don't like it if it means Bogarts is gone because I'd rather have Bogarts than Story. <laughs> yeah, and I I don't think that Story wanted to commit six years to be a second baseman, and I don't think you pay a second baseman a hundred forty million dollar contract Unless if you're the like Mariners with not... Cano, which which that didn't work out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. No. So. Yeah, I mean, it's frustrating, but we'll see what happens. I don't know that it's impossible, especially hearing that the Padres were like, we were Trey Turner a bus. We're not going to go for Bogarts, who they've been very much linked to. But That's kind of yeah. odd. I mean, Trey um, Turner is, <laughs> they're both great shortstops. Like, yeah, Trey Turner is probably a little bit better, but I don't know. I think he's in the same Carlos Correa is out there too. Like, if you're gonna pay Trey Turner three hundred fifty million, why wouldn't you give that to Correa? Well, Correa got a he he didn't have a big contract when he left for Minnesota. Like compared to Turner, I mean. No, I mean he well he got he got a ton of money for one year. Right. So like one year, thirty five million dollars, mm-hmm. and now he's gonna end up getting a big contract okay. with actual term. I'd still rather have Bogarts. <laughs> like if 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 they're actually considering yeah. that. Uh, not that they well, were. Well, Bogarts but... would also be less in theory than right. those other two guys. So either way, I, I, I'm not as well. Either way, yeah. I, I don't like how the this off season is going right now, and I don't think it's going to be. You know, they got they got Chris Martin, but uh, I don't know. I I, 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 
Yeah, Julie. I, I like Cole, I like some of Coldplay's songs from with Chris Martin, <laughs> but like I don't, I, I don't know what to think of uh, the pitcher, Chris Martin. Yeah, I mean, Red Sox need to do something, so we'll see what that is. But it, it it doesn't feel like there's an urgency to to spend a ton of money like there used to be, which in some ways might be a good thing, but also no, I, I, I mean, just n- these like bargain may, guys. May, like, no, they I don't lean work towards out. it's bad. I lean towards it's a bad thing. Yeah, and it's not like they need to go out and pay a, a David Price to make up for losing John Lester, but he'd like them to do more than sign guys like Rich Hill and Michael Walker and James Paxson. You know? Yeah. Um, and, of course, one last thing to talk about. As frustrating as it is to be a Red Sox fan, it is does not even compare with the Pirates, and it's it's reached its tipping point this weekend. Uh, with the news that Brian Reynolds has requested a trade. And I think the easy reaction to that is three words, sell the team. Because if you're not going to pay Brian Reynolds of all guys, who are you going to pay then? Like, that, it's just, what are, what are we doing here? I mean, he's the, the best player that the Pirates have had since the guy they traded him for, Andrew McCutcheon. And he's he, he's someone who has wanted to be in Pittsburgh. And they're just not going to pay him what he's worth like they, they can they, the reports are that it would be the high largest contract in pirates history but that's 70 million dollars he's worth double that at least and it, it's frustrating that like I, I get there's an economic disparity in major league baseball not every team can have a 300 million dollar payroll every year like the dodgers could or even you know close to that like the yankees or red sox or mets or whoever but the the, the pirates their payroll is so low right now. There's so much more room they can spend. And Reynolds is the kind of guy that you want to keep around. Like he's a guy you build around. And if they're not going to build around him, like they're just basically admitting to not having a winning culture. They're like they're just never going to get beyond this point. Like they're not the Tampa Bay Rays. <laughs> it's not that bad. It's just very frustrating. And they'll probably end up getting a haul for him potentially this week if he's actually traded. But it's just, um, it's really frustrating to see it come to this. And it just makes you give up any kind of hope that the Pirates are going to s- find a way to spend money, find a way to build a great roster that can actually compete. And that those years from 2013 to 2015, just like they, they've never felt further away than they do right now. It's funny with our baseball teams, all we ask for is just relevance. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, it's. That's all you can ask for. Like, like you, like you the, want the Patriots to be and excited. The Patriots to theirs, they, you know, they had their time, but you know, it's football. We're still going to watch, even if they're not the best, and still really entertaining. And yes, we'll be disappointed by our teams with some of the, you know, the, the decision making uh, of their of the teams, but they're still relevant. Like we still care and pay attention and, mm-hmm. and everything. And then the Celtics and Bruins, well, Penguins for you, like. They're still really good, and they're competing for. Well, I mean, not the Penguins now, but like the Penguins, they had their yeah, time. the Blue Jackets three to one. They were great, and and what and what? Sorry, <laughs> they're beating the Blue Jackets three to one right oh, now. Oh, nice. <laughs> I mean, but like the Bruins and Columbus the Celtics, sucks, like they're yeah. they're competing for championships. And it's like this is great. Like, um, uh-huh. but for the Red Sox and Pirates, we just want them to be. We we know they're not good. We just want them to be. You know, try, <laughs> try to try to yeah. do something. I love try. the sport of Show baseball. Show that you care a little. I know. I love the sport right. of baseball, and it it just it doesn't love me back. <laughs> 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 That's how I feel too. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. So I just just want to mention that. But yeah, 
Uh, last question. It's not a sports one. Yes. Uh, last one. Uh, last question. Spotify Wrapped was released last week, showcasing users' listening habits for 2022. What are your thoughts on your results? Yeah, I really wasn't sure what to expect this year. Uh, I did have the realization that I didn't listen to like an overwhelming amount of new music in 2022, but I, I never do that. And it, it's something that I tell myself I need to like take the time to do every year. And I just, I don't, I just get too comfortable with the music that I know and grew up with and have listened to. And um, I think the, one of the negatives, I guess, which it shouldn't be for most people, but for me of listening on Spotify for most of my music is I don't hear new like radio hits. And, uh, it's very limited for me to get new music cause I have to go more out of my way to hear it. That being said, um, my top five artists, not really a ton of surprises for me. Uh, no Olivia Rodrigo this year, which I think is a good thing. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. Uh, number one for like the fourth time in five years is Drake. Um, you know, I thought about making a Kanye joke in here, but I was like, Drake has his own skeletons in his closet. So that wouldn't land as well. And then um, after him, number two, Matchbox 20, probably my favorite band of all time. And uh, yeah, just, I mean, I, I love their their first album, Yourself and Someone Like You. And I, I love listening to 90s music. So not a huge surprise that they would be very much at the top of my most played in 2022 post malone number three he's someone who like i i just enjoy a lot of his music and i i've talked about in the past he's someone who kind of always expect to be up there always coming yeah, up I, on shuffle I, I mean you're a bigger post malone fan than i am but like i have i have a couple songs uh like in my top hundred uh for him uh like sunflower is one of them uh, yeah, I mean, then, he's had a few really good albums over the years, yeah, and yeah, he, yeah. So he's no, like, I, I'm, I, I like him. Like, I'm again not as big of a fan as as you are. And then, and then speaking of Drake, like, yeah, obviously, obviously, you're a bigger fan. But one thing to mention, I was looking at top hundred songs. Okay, one Drake song squeaked into the top hundred. I'm not even joking. Yeah? Like ninety Wait, at- like. <laughs> like 98 <laughs> yeah what is uh it? it was the motto uh the motto was in my top 100 yeah nice one drake song got in my top 100 yeah that that one sure. was not in my top 100 but uh yeah definitely plenty of drake and i mean both of those guys it's like a, a lot of older stuff combination of newer stuff i did i did like drake's album that he put out with 21 savage did not like the solo album he did earlier in the year though mm-hmm. um anyway number four bob seeger uh have to have a classic artist in there and he's someone who i've been a huge fan of ever since i really discovered him which happened to be the same day that i moved to raleigh so that's a nice little connection there and then number five is halsey i've talked about her on this podcast or them on this podcast in the past and uh halsey is someone who big fan of the i can't remember the name of it 2020 album 2022 did not like the album as much, but a big fan of Lighthouse. That was like the one song on it, and that was featured in my like Spotify rap thing where you tap through. Uh, it did make one of those slides. So that's my top five artists. Uh, top five songs made a little more sense to me this year, but I'll highlight number one. Should have been my number one song in 2021 for sure by Future Islands. It's on MLB 21, the show. 
it you know it's just a year too late i'll say I, a lot like a lot of the new music that i listen to or like songs that i come across come from sports video games so you know definitely it's, no you know it's funny i i gotta mention uh just because you meant you mentioned it uh in my top 100 i had a couple video game like old video games that i that used to play that i like the soundtrack of like they're yeah do you, you remember hear them MP- so often do you remember MVP Baseball 2005? Of course, yeah. The baseball game, like, oh, it's, that's the best base, baseball game. If, <laughs> if if we were to redo the top five video games, like, I would put I would put that on the list. MVP Baseball yeah. 2005 with Manny Ramirez on the cover. I had one song in my top hundred from that video game. It was called "We Got the Noise." I don't know. It was the, it was the it was like the cover song, like the the intro song. I mean, uh. Of, mm-hmm. of the of that game uh, and I yeah i mean i have plenty of video game songs new and old <laughs> that i i listen then, to often yeah like there and there there are a few other ones in my top 100 where that were from like other video games that i'm like you know i gotta listen to that song again like i because because like yeah sports video games or whatever there are soundtracks where there are some songs like ah it's not a good one but like then there are songs where it's like man like this is actually i actually like this soundtrack um yeah and so yeah, so I actually had some in my top hundred songs that were like that with sports video games. Uh, yeah, but yeah, to go through my list, um, yeah, so obviously Taylor Swift was up there. Like, like you said, yeah. like there's some things that'll just never change. And, yeah. Um, like so, obviously she was in my top five artists. She also came uh, out with a new album this year. So yeah, and that too. Like, which I'll admit, like I can be a critic. Uh, I did not care for it. Uh, really? I liked Antihero and Would Have, Could Have, yeah. Should Have, and but I didn't care for most of it. Uh, I just I I like obviously you know her older hits of like Fearless, Speak Now, mm-hmm. and Red, and 1989. And, um, but yeah, it's like that album. I don't admit I didn't really care for. But at the same time, it's like that's what happens with a lot of artists. Like no, like even your favorites. Like they're at some point, like even though they keep putting out music, you know they. You just like the older songs. Oh yeah, um, no, so, I, I totally feel that with a a lot of. Lot so of like, so even though like, obviously I yeah I'm a huge fan of her, but like I didn't care for this most recent album outside of a few songs. Um, but she was still in my top five artists. Uh, do you remember her ex boyfriend John uh, Mayer? <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. He's awesome. He was in my top five artists. I I'll admit, nice. like I'll fully admit like uh, when I was looking at my top five genres like rock was number one uh yeah rock so is my I, number one as well yeah so like i had i had some 41 in my top five artists nice. as well which is obviously a given uh and then i had foo fighters and 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 uh daughtry as well um he was he yeah, was obviously like, I, I mentioned in the past that he was my favorite from american idol and yep. I stopped watching the last my, the last season I stopped watching was uh when he got eliminated. That's when I was like, that's it for me. Really, <laughs> uh, that was the first season I watched, and I, I definitely kept. Wow, because that was the last that. one I watched. I was uh, interesting. I, was, I didn't realize I, that. I thought you kept watching. No, huh. like that was the I watched the rest of the season. Uh, yeah, and and you know watched Taylor Hicks of all people win, <laughs> uh, but uh-huh. I was still not happy that Daughtry was eliminated, and but. I think he's had a great career uh, ever since then. And a lot of his best stuff again was in like the, you know, early two thousands, like, or like 2010s, but yeah, like mid, mid two thousands, late two thousands. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I listen to plenty of Daughtry as well, but 
I don't know. Yeah. Has he released new music? I don't know. Yes, the last but new it's the same thing. It's just heard. like, all right, like his best stuff was then, and it's just kind of whatever uh, now, like any other artist. Yeah. One thing to mention, uh, I was surprised that she wasn't in my top five for artists because I had four different songs in my top 100. But yeah. uh, Mar- Mariah Carey, <laughs> I'll admit, I, I love uh, I love some of her older music. I'm not joking. Like <laughs> she uh, she had great songs. Uh, way back like she doesn't have, like nothing recent like um what's that song uh what's what is it called fantasy like that's what that was one of the top my top hundred and then yeah i listened to a lot more mariah carey this time of year than mm-hmm. like the all the christmas 11 months yeah all yeah right. all of her christmas stuff so yeah and then so like other genres i had like so obviously like rock was like number one for me and then, then like pop Mm-hmm. But I also had like, but rap, like that, that's always the order for yeah. me. Like pop uh-huh. and rock are like one and two and then rap will be third. And it's always the same ones for me. Like Nas, um, Kanye, even though Kanye is a horrible person now, like I'll still listen to some of his music. Uh, yeah, back Kid back Cudi. before he was a horrible person. Yeah. <laughs> or at least before we knew it. <laughs> right. Yeah. So it's always the same ones for me. Yeah. Nas, Kid Cudi, Kanye, and, and J. Cole. And... And, and 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 biggie and then mm-hmm. i had yeah what's funny is that i'm looking at my top 100 uh the motto squeaked in at 98 number at 96 was uh i don't f with you by uh big sean yeah that's another nice. one uh yeah big sean had big sean had some good uh albums back in the day like in the yeah early yeah i was always a, a big big like sean in high fan. school yeah uh-huh. um, Blop. Guap was definitely the, uh, great. And yeah, fire. I know it was a big song when our senior year when we were in track. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So I, I guess I one thing you talk about much. genres. Apparently, mm-hmm. I listened to forty-five different genres this year. I didn't even know there were that many different <laughs> genres of music. <laughs> like, I, I don't know I don't how remember, that's possible. <laughs> I don't remember what my number was, but I remember it being super high. I don't remember yeah. what the number was. Yeah, but. it was very much a, a little astronaut or whatever they they called you. Yeah, I got the same thing too. Yeah, when I looked at the the minutes I've listened to, because I I listen to music, of course, but I also listen to podcasts. Yeah, I, I spend more time listening to podcasts, I think, than music. Mm-hmm. So. so because of that, uh, I'm, I'm in like the ninety something percentile of, of listeners. Oh wow! Like, yeah, so is which is sad, bad. which is sad, <laughs> but at the same time, it's like okay, if I'm uh, listening to music all the time and podcasts yeah. all the time, like it's gonna uh, be high. And yeah, I know no, it's it makes a, sense. I know I pay a monthly subscription. It's com- totally worth it if I use it every yep. freaking day. <laughs> yep. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I very few days go by where I wouldn't have Spotify open. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. I mean, I guess on the topic of podcasts, like I don't know, a quarter of all male sports fans in this country between eighteen and thirty-five. Part of my take was my number one, and uh, I, I did have our, our sister podcast as uh, Benjamin Carlson, our first uh, Mathable Chat and C-Team show in my top five. So always good to see them up there. Yeah, so I had those two, us. <laughs> like, I'll admit, like, oh, yeah, yeah, I obviously I like, listen back make... to our episodes. Uh, um, obviously, I know for good reason, if yours, if ours uh, wasn't in the, your top five, like, you're, re- you're, rec- you're, you're doing the editing like you're already listening yeah to it, i so listened like, to it then yeah yeah uh-huh. so so uh there's a good reason why you wouldn't have it on yours but like so i had ours ben's kenny's and then 
two other uh, fantasy football <laughs> ones. So yeah, makes sense in my top five. Yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah. So that was. Yeah. So yeah. most most uh, another, of it's pretty much the same for me, but. But yeah, mm-hmm. I think uh, John Mayer and uh, Mariah Carey are probably the my, my two most drastically different ones uh, on my yeah. list. Yeah, that that makes sense. I mean, I I was told that my top five artists are all over the place, like very random. I like these all make sense for me, but I, I get it from the outside listener. But when you listen to forty five different genres, I guess that's to be expected. <laughs> so one thing I hate, um, I mean, it's not Spotify's fault, but one thing I hate is. When I when I go to bed, there are times where I'll be listening to a song, but I'll mm-hmm. be on a loop, and oh, I'll fall yeah. asleep, so it, and then I'll wake yep. up the next day and find out that it's been playing over and over and over again. Yeah, just totally. And then when I look at my top hundred, uh-huh. when I look at my top hundred and see a song that I listened to like, you know, for one or two days, being like in the top ten, it's like, yeah, crap. Like I I spent all day or all night listening to that one song and. <laughs> It's like, yeah, uh, I like that song, but like, I don't like it that much. I know. <laughs> I I wish that there was a better way for them to control that. I'm sure they is, they've is, tried, but is there a way, is there a formula where you can say like, hey, like this was spread out through the year and not just yeah, like right. this one day? Uh huh. Played it 45 times, but 43 were within the same 24 hour period. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. Yeah. So hey, another fun year of listening to music and podcasts, and you know, already. Looking forward to uh, what my 2023 habits will be. Hope to have a lot more new music than I did this year. But uh, that'll do it for this one. We'll, in theory, not have another three-week-long break. We should be able to come back with some more NFL and other sports. We'll see what else there is to talk about with some of those five-question topics we just went through. But for my co-host, Brian Wells, I'm Courtney Thanks, everyone. <laughs>